like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are on our second week of Sad Sacks Month, February 2022. And these are movies that feature a sad love story to some capacity. There's some sappiness in these love stories. Because February, we often go with love, um, or at least some kind of version of love, as we did last year with Love, Antosha. Um, how, how do you spell Brooklyn? Um, I'm spelling it correctly, but it's not popping up as the first option. Wow. If you just search Brooklyn on IMDb, it's the fourth entry. Like, you get Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which I understand. You get Brooklyn Decker, a a person, motherless in Brooklyn, and then Brooklyn. Like, that's pretty wild that it took, you know, I I was like, wait, why isn't this popping up? Because it's not prominent enough, I guess. It was an Oscar nominee back in the day, but all right, whatever. Yeah, okay, I thought so. Um just a nominee, no wins for the Oscars, but it was nominated for Best Picture. Um, so, Corey, uh, before we get into our review of Brooklyn, we like to chat and see how things have been. Um, you've had a, an experience, and of course, we'll see what else oh. we've been watching. Uh, Corey, you went, you traveled, and you had lunch with a celebrity, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I uh, left the state for the first time since July of 2019. Wow. Um, to go to New Orleans with some friends and on our way back um we were seated at a table and I looked around my friend and five or six feet away from us was Owen Wilson eating well he wasn't eating I think he only ate like two bites of his food actually when it came but he was talking to like the employees there and I think he was assigned like a uh I don't know how celebrities travel um, but I think he had, like, someone from the airline he was traveling with, like, kind of walking him around and stuff. And they were talking. She talked to us. She was really nice. And um, he went to the bathroom or something and came back. I think he appreciated it. was, I don't know. We were kind of torn on if we should say anything to him or not um, and decided not to just to give him a space and respect him. And he smiled and waved at us. Very nice of him. Yeah. I've always, I've, I tend to hear positive things about that guy. I like Owen Wilson. Um, I, I would have all like in unison, you should have all been like, wow, you know, and <laughs> right. I was like, that's effing Owen Wilson to my friends quietly. <laughs> he knew, that's, we that's knew. That's a cool encounter. Yeah. yeah. He, you know, he was, he was really nice to everyone who talked to him. One person that worked there did get a picture with him, but you know, I, ah. we talk about you and I, and you would take fame but I would never want fame. I would take money any day, but like, I love my anonymity. I don't, you know what I mean? So I just try to remember that. I, I like to be recognized, but I also like to be left alone. So, um, I I respect that you left him alone. Um, because you know, like I am, I'm as a teacher in a small community, you are kind of a celebrity. A lot of people know who you are. Mm-hmm. And or you've encountered a lot of people. And even if like you haven't taught all of the 1500 people who come through my school every technically every four years, right? Like they cycle through. 
Um, many of them know me because I'm the yearbook advisor or whatever, you know, it's so, like, there's a lot of things that I'm involved in. So, you know, it's not uncommon for me to walk in a store and I hear people say Mr. Birkenfield or things like that, you know, so it, it's, it's as close to famous as I'm going to get local again, but um, especially because I've been teaching now for like 13 years, just at the high school. Uh, so a lot of people know who I am. Not, uh, you know, in no way am I like, Oh, people know me. I'm just pointing out like I I've had, that experience and i don't know if i would be okay with it being like owen wilson level where people are like oh my god it's oh well, yeah <laughs> and like somebody was walking because it was like a sit-down restaurant um and you know you had to be seated and stuff and someone another passenger was just walking by and he like stopped and was like holding his phone up like really high and trying to get a picture and stuff like it did take me a little bit to like you know, because I don't always look at the people around me necessarily, I guess. Yeah. I would, you know? I, I wonder if I've missed people. Like, because I've been in New York, mm. um, then like, I'll see people post pictures of like Jay Z on the subway. I'm like, I rode the subway a lot. Was I near anyone famous? Like, um, <laughs> fellow passenger. I, I'm, I'm kind of an avoid the eye contact type of person. You know, I have headphones in and I'm looking kind of like, yeah, headphones in. down, but. He, I did. I noticed that in the picture that you did snap. Um, yeah, our mutual friend was like, "Haha, how's the ear earpods?" <laughs> you yeah. can't hear the fans. Um, but that was very cool. Uh, I did. I shared that photo uh, with Matt and Big Tuna because I was like, oh, "Look, Corey just ha- kind of had lunch with you know." Had yeah, to share. So we had lunch with Owen Wilson. Hi, Owen. Yes, uh, thanks for listening, Owen. We appreciate it. Of course, Corey slipped <laughs> several business cards uh, into <clears throat> yeah. his hand. And also, uh, I, I heard you dropped a bunch of Nick Cage's mailbox. Yeah. Because um, he had a little slot on the door. And you were just like, here's a bunch of business cards. Um, no, but uh, I have nothing as cool as that to like talk about. So I'm, we're just going to move into what we've been watching. Uh, and we'll get to our review of Brooklyn here just in a minute, folks. Um, did you have time to watch anything while you've been traveling? Um, well, I watched a lot of stuff um, while I was sick, and I did watch a movie on the way there and a movie on the... I watched some movies, for sure, um, but I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, I, I have been watching... I, I'm up to date on Book of Boba Fett. In fact, it just I just watched the finale about an hour ago. Um, it's It ends stronger than it started, but I still have a lot of issues with this ser- this particular series which was disappointing um, to have issues with Boba Fett. But, uh, you know, I, I'm hoping that I will continue. The show that has surprised me that I love is the James Gunn written, directed Peacemaker, which is a continuation of John Cena's character from the Suicide Squad that came out last year. I, I've been so impressed with this show. Uh, there's two more episodes left for this season, um, and I'm very excited to see them. I'm also a little sad that it's going to be over because I'm having a great time watching the show, but... Movie-wise, um, I'm basically working between two filmmakers. I am trying to complete Steven Spielberg's filmography, which I only have like six movies left to watch from his massive, I think it's like 35-plus movies. But he's a, you know, I've watched Spielberg films since I was a kid. So it's it, a lot of the big, the ones most people like adore, I've seen many times. I'm hitting a lot of the ones that I skipped either because it was it was too prestige for when I was a kid, like... uh. I always forget the Emperor one. He's got an Emperor movie, like Last Emperor, Child Emperor, something like that. Whatever that one is, I've never seen. Um, But I've caught three of his earliest films. Duel, which is his very first film, which is a TV movie. Very cool. Uh, Not perfect, but definitely worth checking out. 
Um, the Sugarland Express, which is a the one of the most um, different Goldie Hawn performances that I've seen, as it's it's much more serious than I'm used to her being. Um, and then I caught 1941, which is the uh, his kind of Doctor Strangelove military uh, satire that was written by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, who would then do Back to the Future a couple years later, uh, script wise. Um, I didn't love 1941, but uh, you know it is what it is. I've seen a few new movies, uh, Death on the Nile, um, which isn't officially out until, uh, well, when you're listening to this, it's out. Um, but I got to see that at a critic screening last week. Um, I didn't love it. I don't hate it. It's just kind of mediocre to me. Um, but I did stay and see Jackass Forever. Mm. Super funny. Uh, it was. Uh, it also has a lot of heart, which was surprising to me. Like I actually was like a little nostalgic and sentimental, and so were they. Um, I felt like it, they were going to hit that. <laughs> it, they they definitely did and it's it's a little gross at times um and like they don't go as gross with like the poop humor that they've done a few times there is some semen jokes that are are gonna be you know it's not human semen so it's it, it, which not to say that i'm okay with like human semen either but i'm just saying like it's it's a different level of gross when it's like just random animal stuff um but uh it is definitely not an appropriate film for all ages. There's a lot of male nudity in it. So if you're not comfortable with that, you know, um, know that going in, but non-sexual, but still male nudity. So just depending on what your, you know, comfort level is. Um, but I, I actually had, uh, I, I had a great time watching it. It was super funny. Um, I, I was really, there's uh, five new cast members, uh, like official cast members, and there's a lot of cameos. So it's a lot of fun if you like the old jackass type of stuff. Um, Matt and I just released our episode of uh, BAMP where we're talking about Moonfall. Um, Moonfall is the new Roland Emmerich film. You might know him as the guy who did like Independence Day and uh, uh, the 1998 Godzilla. That's pretty bad. Um, Matt and I both think it's not a good movie, but we had a lot of fun watching it. So it's one of those type of things where if you don't mind it, like turning your brain off and just enjoying like a big bombastic, uh, you know, dis- disaster movie, it's kind of fun. Um, I forgot to mention though, uh, one of my friends had her son's birthday. He's also one of my students. Um, they, they rented out, uh, an auditorium at our Disney Springs AMC theater. Oh, cool. And uh, so we got to see West Side Story. It was my second time seeing it, but Kathy hadn't seen it yet. So it was exciting because she uh, we came to the birthday party. Um, it was fun. I hadn't been. I mean, I've been to a lot of empty theaters in my time because I go to a lot of movies and sometimes people aren't in them. But uh, this was the first time it was intentional. You know, it was just like six people in a theater. Um, and it was a cool experience because you can, you know, you know, everyone in the theater. It was very, you know, comforting and um I, I don't know how much exactly it was, but my understanding is it's like somewhere in the 200 to $250 ballpark right now because they're still desperate to get people in. So they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll give you the whole auditorium. Uh, and I think you can bring up to 20 people, but oh, um, nice. we kept it very, very small and, and simple, but it was a good time. Um, and then lastly, uh, the other director who I'm working through their filmography is Jane Campion, uh, because I'm listening to the Link Check podcast and they're currently covering her films. Uh, so I just watched The Portrait of a Lady, which came out in 1996. Um, I didn't dislike this one. It's probably my least favorite of hers post The Piano. No, that's not fair because that's, that's like the second one after. But I, I've already watched In the Cut, which I loved. Had not uh, seen that prior, but that movie's incredible. Um, piano is incredible. Portrait of a Lady is like 
Nicole Kidman's really good. Barbara Hershey's really good. I'm not a big John Malkovich fan. I, I tend to find him to not be doing a whole lot of things that I think are good. Mm. That was the case in this as well. So, um, yeah. But uh, that's what I've been watching. What about you? Okay. Um, so Bill and I watched Last Night in Soho. Yay. And both really enjoyed it. Okay, good, good, good. <clears throat> that was your first time? Yeah. We miss it in theaters. Um, on my flight, I watched Old, finally. Ooh. Um, I liked it, too. Yeah. Uh, I watched um, the Times Square Killer documentary on Netflix. The woman in the house and the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window, I think. Something like that. Yeah. So the yeah. kind of parody satire TV show of all of those uh, mystery female led movies and shows. Mm hmm. Um, Crimson Peak. I uh, watched rewatched a lot of things because I was sick and I don't know. So I can fall asleep. Um, and if I miss anything, I'm not mad about it. Uh, I watched I. Don't know if Servant is dropping an episode every week, um, but I got all the way through season three, episode three, which was the last episode that was available when I watched it. I watched most of Blue Bayou, um, and I really like it. Alicia Vikander is great. Um, the whole cast is really good, but I didn't get to finish it because my flight was over, and I have a complaint. I will never understand why just a digital copy copy of a movie costs more than a physical copy that comes with like you know the download and stuff too on blu-ray it's yeah. like twenty dollars to buy it on a service we use quite often and then it's thirteen dollars to buy it on blu-ray with the download i do believe <clears throat> just um and it's... i watched the big sick on one of my flights mm. that's one of my favorite movies i love that movie very very Me much too it's so good and that's it. Uh, that was a pretty good list, Corey. Sometimes you don't have that much, so it's you know, mm -hmm. uh, it's nice to to hear you getting into some things. Although I hate that it's because you were sick. Um, mm. But uh, some, you know, I have a hard time. I want to rewatch more stuff, and I just have a hard time, uh, like deciding. I'm always, I always feel guilty. I'm like, there's so many things I haven't seen. I should probably watch something I've never seen. But then I'm like, but. I'd like a comfort thing, but then the comfort thing's like, well, if I'm only going to watch one movie that I've seen before, how do you narrow that down? You know, it's like, there's so many that I would like to watch, but I'm like, uh, but, so I end up just not watching anything. So, um, <laughs> decision-making is hard. Uh, that's why I like having lists to complete, because then I'm like, okay, that's well, fair. I'm going to finish the Spielberg this movie, I'm going to finish Jane Campion movies, you know what I'm saying? And then this podcast, got to watch mm -hmm. Brooklyn again, uh, so there was a rewatch that I wasn't God, expecting. I try really, really hard to pick stuff that neither of us have watched. Like, it's something that I definitely try to be, you know, mindful of when I'm picking my movies. And I feel like I've been striking out lately. This, this year, your first four picks I have seen. <laughs> I I apologize. Uh, and two of which I, I teach. So, like, I've seen them a lot. Uh, because I... your last movie of this month, I have, I have taught every year for, like, the last four years. So, I've seen it at minimum. Ooh, man. Uh... Minimum six times, probably closer to eight Doing or nine. Um, but I'm okay with it because I do think Casablanca is a classic. However, can't promise that I'm going to fully watch it. Um, although I think actually I haven't told my class this, but they are going to be watching Casablanca because that's like film film one always watches Casablanca. That's like I 
I insist that they watch Singing in the Rain and Casablanca. Those are like the two old movies that I, I never skip. Um, so I'll be watching it for the first time at my age with your, what, 15-year-olds? Yeah. yeah. it's. I have found more often than not, Casablanca and Singing in the Rain usually work for my high school kids. I was wrong with several of my film one kids with Singing in the Rain, which I wasn't mm. there when they watched Singing in the Rain. So I, I always feel like that's part of it because there's, you know, when the when I am there, there's like expectations of, of movie watching that I'm wondering if maybe didn't happen when I wasn't there. I, that was when I was out with COVID. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, lessons have to continue. So I don't know, but I'm, I'm having a hundred percent decided we're going to do Casablanca, but I could make that just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just going to go ahead and do that while we're, uh, while we're talking about it for the podcast, we'll go ahead and have them watch it. That way I can, you know, two birds, one stone, so to speak. Um, but listeners, don't don't fret. Uh, I did rewatch Brooklyn. I did not rewatch A Beautiful Mind, but I'd seen that enough, and I feel like I talked like I just watched it because I've seen it plenty of times. I'd only seen Brooklyn once, um, so let's get into the stats for Brooklyn, listeners. Uh, Brooklyn came out twenty fifteen. It gets three Oscar nominations, including Best Picture. That was the first year I really cared about the Oscar noms, um, where I like actively went and tried to watch the movies once the nominations happened. Um, so I, I've had Brooklyn pretty much since then. I watched it uh, with Kathy when it when it was getting its buzz. Um, that was kind of my introduction to Saoirse Ronan. I didn't realize she'd been in other things prior to Brooklyn. Like I thought she was like this new actress. Um, I, I think I then dove into the rabbit hole. I was like, oh no, she's she's been doing stuff for a while. Um, it has a seven point five IMDb user rating and eighty eight Metascore. Uh, directed by John Crowley, who I don't know if he's done anything else I've seen, which is unusual for me. I have not, um, at least not his big four. He hasn't done too many things. It looks like, ah, uh, he directed the goldfinch. Uh, I didn't, I skipped that. Um, he's done some TV though. Uh, so, you know, cool for him. Um, written by Nick Hornby and based on a novel by Colm Toybin, I guess. Uh, I'm sure I'm saying that completely right. Saoirse Ronan, um, which I only know how to say her name so well because we did an episode a long time ago. Um, I think the one with, I can't remember what it was, she was an assassin. There was like a lollipop. I don't remember what it was. Um, Dang. I can't remember the name of it. You had, you had picked that one. I, I had to learn how to say her name so I wouldn't mess it up on the pod. Because um, it definitely doesn't look like Saoirse. It looks like Sarah Rise Ronan. Um, yes. <laughs> this movie also has Emery Cohen, Domhnall Gleeson, Jim Broadbent, uh, Hugh Gormley, Brid Brennan, oh boy, lots of Irish names, Maeve McGrath, Emma Lowe, Barbara Drennan, uh, Jillian McCarthy, Fiona Glascott. There's one actress I actually am familiar with, and I don't see her. Oh, there she is. Emily Bett uh, Rickards. She was on um, Arrow uh, at the time when this came out. So like, I was excited because I'm like, oh, she's from Arrow. Um, and Julie Walters, who I also know. Um, Corey picked this as, uh, again, it's it's a sad love story. An Irish immigrant lands in 1950s Brooklyn where she quickly falls into a romance with a local. That would be uh, the guy's name is Emery Cohen. He plays Tony. Um, when her past catches up with her, however, she must choose between two countries and the lives that exist within. That's where the sad sack portion of this movie kind of falls into it. Um, so uh, it, this movie's just under two hours, which is a Corey uh, must uh, for most of her picks. She doesn't like longer movies. Um, which of course, listener, you know that at this point. Um, what drew you to this one when we were when we were picking sad sex? 
Um, I've had it on my list for a while that I've wanted to watch it and somehow just kept passing it by. I really like her. I have by no means watched all of her movies, obviously, but um, everything that I've seen her in, I really like her. And yeah, just sounded interesting. Yeah, um, I I remember when in 2015 I was still kind of entering into the uh, the film viewer that I am now, where I'm much more open to all types of movies. Where like in 2015 I was still kind of in my niche. I like I like stupid comedies, I like action movies, and that was kind of the gist of it. Um, but uh, this was one of the early ones where I I don't think I was super interested in it. And then when I watched it, I really enjoyed it. I didn't remember much about it. So like going in, like I remembered some, but I didn't remember like when I was really invested and stuff. And then uh, I was excited to watch this and find out that I, I really loved this movie the second time around as well. Uh, it wasn't just like Oscar buzz that made me enjoy it back then. Um, This is one though that I feel like has really like not been forgotten, but people don't seem to talk about it very often. Like it was... um. I don't know. I just, I really like her and I really like this movie. Um, she's obviously, I think Lady Bird kind of maybe overshadows this completely because people, mm-hmm. when you think Saoirse Ronan, I first go to, to Lady Bird. She's in so many movies. That's like, I've seen a lot of her films, but like I'm looking through her filmography. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to get to all of these. There's, she's in so much stuff. Um, some of these, I think, like, I'm sure are, are short, uh, like, or small performances. I haven't loved every movie. I didn't love Mary Queen of Scots like at all. I was very bored by that movie. Oh, um, I don't know if you saw that one or not, but I it, did. I liked it. Oh, see, I did not. Um, I love I, her as Joe and Little Women. Yes, very much. Uh, Little Women was fantastic. That movie five times in theaters, guys. I think that was my. I love her so much. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff I need to see her in. Um, and then there's a couple things I like Violet and Daisy was the movie that I could think of. Um, uh, I, I haven't seen Hannah. I'm down to watch that. The Lovely Bones. Um, I don't mm-hmm. really want to watch because I've heard it's really sad. Um, we are watching Atonement uh, next week, which is a, a movie that when she's aged, well, she's playing a 13 year old version of, I think, Kira Knightley's character or one of the other characters. Um, but, uh, oh, and McAvoy's in that. Yeah. So Atonement's going to be next week. But, for now, McAvoy's in Atonement. Yeah, it's it's <gasps> him and uh, Kira Knightley. Oh, I didn't realize that he was in it. I always forget he's in it, um, which would have made me watch it a while ago because I'm a big I'm a big McAvoy fan. But so, um, wh- uh, what'd you think? Did you like Brooklyn? I hated it. No, I'm kidding. I really did like it. Um, I really, again, I just really like the characters in it. I like her a lot. Um. You know, this big, huge, you know, adventure, I guess, that she's on. There were some interesting things that I haven't been able to fact check, but I'm interested in knowing if that's really how things worked then. Um, And also, have you watched Mad Men yet? Nope, sure have not watched Mad Men. Um, I'm forgetting her name, but the woman that seems to be her manager... um, mm -hmm. In the department store, she plays Megan, I believe. I'm in Mad Men. She's in there quite a bit, and I haven't really seen her in anything else. So I liked seeing her in a different role. I think I might have seen her in like one other role. Um, she's a good actress. I just don't feel like I see her in much. Um, yeah, and I I like the love story. 
Well, let's hold off a little on that because that does feel like it gets into <laughs> a little bit of spoiler territory. Obviously, <laughs> we, know, we know Tony um, is is a love interest, but there's there's more. It's not that simple. That's otherwise it wouldn't be a sad sack movie. It would just be a love story. Um, I I found like th- one of the things I really enjoy about this film, without getting into spoilers yet, is it it manages to have like drama without it feeling melodrama. Like, um, mm-hmm. like she gets, she's, when she gets to the stage, she has like a boarding house, um, that she's staying at. And like, you know, even when she's on the ship, like a girl's like, Oh, how lucky that you already have a job and all this lined up. And it, you almost expect that to be like, she gets there and the job isn't lined up and she's living on the streets. And it's not that it's not that story at all. It's like, no, she has everything she was promised. It's maybe not as glamorous as it, maybe sounded when she was on her way over here. Cause it's, you know, it's this, Oh, she shares a room. The roommates are nice, but they're a little like, you know, catty catty. Yeah. And, um, the job is retail selling perfume. So it's not like super glamorous and people are a little rude and she's not, she's like a little more introverted than you would expect Sir Sharonan to be. I think, um, at times where like, she's a little more to herself and she doesn't, she's not like smiling and bubbling all at first. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, but like all of those moments are, are very natural and, and realistic. And I, I like that a lot about this movie because it feels like it could have easily been super melodramatic. And there are some, there's some big drama moments, but I don't feel like they're treated as melodrama. Um, and it is like, you have this, um, there's from the get go, she's given a guilt trip for leaving because like, oh, your older sister is now going to have to take care of your mother forever. But they, the mother and the older sister seem completely fine with her going. In fact, they seem to be encouraging her to go off to America and um, explore. Um, I forget. She's from Ireland, but I forget. Is she from Dublin or it's a small town in Ireland, right? Like, yeah, I can't remember. I mean, we can look it up, but it's not relevant. But um, I also really enjoy this film. I, I think she is terrific. It's a very um, understated performance uh, a lot in the character. Um, I think there's a little bit of Joe Marsh in this character to a degree too. Like, especially when it comes to like her own individuality, like this desire to do what she wants to do, um, I think is there. And it's not, as not as like gung ho as Joe. Uh, Cause again, I feel like this character is a little more subdued, especially when you compare it to Lady Bird and Joe who are very like gung ho. Uh, real loud about it too though right like they're not quiet about it like they're gonna do whatever it takes to get the thing they're after where um she doesn't seem to fully know what she wants but she's also not afraid to once she once she feels like she knows what she wants she acts but um i think we must move into spoilers though because there's a lot of like that's where a lot of this movie really takes place so uh positives from both of us uh without spoilers but at this point Corey. Guys, from here on out, we're going to talk about Brooklyn in great detail. You have been warned. So this movie is a love triangle, um, but it's a love triangle between both New York and Ireland. And then uh, Tony and Domhnall Gleeson's character, Jim Farrell. Um, and so she loves Tony. I, I love Tony. I'm gonna be real. I love Tony. Yeah, Tony is so charming. And there are parts where there's like, it almost feels like, oh no, is this the red flag that we tell her to He's run away? Be a jerk. Yeah, because there's like, you know, his family's like uh, the the brother. We don't like Irish people. Like the little the little brother says that, but he's little. He's not like, you know, um, everyone else in the family seems really cool and into her. Uh, the the baseball thing is like a like, oh no, is he really obsessed with baseball? But it's not, it's not like an 
I don't know. There, there's room for him to be like vicious and he's never vicious. And I, I love that part of this movie too. Cause again, could have gone in so many directions and it's just, no, it's just, he's a genuinely good guy who has met the girl of his dreams and he's doing everything he can to, to live the American dream. And he wants to offer it to her. That was so well said. I love when she's like, well, why do you go to the Irish dances? And he's like, well, I love Irish girls. Yeah. <laughs> I just kind of died. I don't know. There were like so many times that he could have been a creep or a jerk. And he just really isn't in his family. You know, besides that one moment with little brother, I think somebody got beat up or something is why he made that grand sweeping, you know, state statement. But, you know, I just, I think that, and I don't know. I like nice guys. There's like this big misconception that all women like bad boys. And I'm here to tell you that's oh. just not true. You know, um, I just uh, think he's the, the guy that plays Tony is in blue Bayou that you just watched. Yeah. I was like trying to figure out who he is in it. He's also in a uh, sweetheart that we watched like last year. Oh, um, I think I know who he is. Never mind. And um, what, sweetheart? Yeah. That's the, uh, the horror movie with the um with Kiersey Clemens when she's like stuck on the island. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm okay. pretty sure it was last year we watched that. Maybe it was two years ago. I don't know. We definitely watched it on this podcast. But um anywho, sorry. Uh so I also like that's one of the things I like about this movie is it is basically just kind of pure joy. Like there is drama. The drama is Rose dies. Like her older sister who's not that old dies i don't know i don't think they tell us what happened no it seemed like when she talks to the priest or something that she was sick but she didn't tell anybody and it made complete i was like oh no what did she do because at first my brain went to well it seems hopeless to her she's never going to get to go to america she has all these societal expectations on her to take care of her mother and you know to just be responsible and whatever um so i was really upset but um Yeah. yeah that I think it was a sickness. And uh, we see her, the way she's she died. Like It looks like she died trying to walk out of the bedroom because she's just like on the floor, like collapsed. Mm-hmm. And it's super tragic. Uh, the mom finds her. The mom is devastated. Um, they It's 1950s, so like it's not easy for them to even like communicate with each other. Um, like over the phone, like the phone connection is not very strong. They're barely able to hear each other. Saoirse decides she has to go back to Ireland. And she gets married to Tony. A courthouse wedding before she leaves so uh, i do want to say that i kind of didn't like him kind of pressure pressuring her to marry him yeah i agree i know he loves her but i was like there is know. a controlling element to that for sure and she even calls like, him no, out she'll on come it back. yeah yeah um and i think also in the 50s and i uh i believe she's she's Catholic based on the priest and all of that. Right. Like that's, mm-hmm. and so, uh, you know, we know, I know from Sing street that in, in the eighties, Ireland divorce was illegal. Um, so I can only assume it was illegal in the fifties too. So like it, it, for her to, to do that was like, she knew she was locking in to Tony. Um, because oh, even like, obviously it's in America. So like, I don't, I mean, divorce was still pretty uncommon, I think, in the 50s in America, from my understanding of it. Um, I was not alive then. Uh, but 
her Catholic upbringing in Ireland, she divorced would not have been something she could even probably think of. You know what I'm saying? Like she's like God. committing to a marriage. Like she's committing to a marriage. Dude, all of that just makes it not sound very appealing to get married. No. Uh, yeah. Um, that it's not like you're, it's not something you can end. Um, but so yeah, they get married. She then goes to Ireland again, which was not an easy trip, which, uh, it allows for this mirror thing because when she's going to America for the first time, a girl she is roommates with has uh, is returning to America after having come back, and she expresses regret and like I'll never come back again. It's really you know it's, uh, the ship is a burden, um, and she's kind of like the the Yoda to her on the ship. She, she befriends her. She's very sweet, and then gone. I kind of I kept waiting for her to come back, and she she doesn't come back. Your friend, um, but uh. Which, again, I guess makes sense because, like, it's New York City and there's no cell phones. So it's not like you can just easily be like, yeah, yeah, we'll meet up again. It's like, mm-hmm. nope. Um, but uh, so when she goes back to Ireland, she meets up with one of her friends. And that's when she meets um, Domino Gleason's character, Jim Farrell, who at first she's rude to because he's like a <laughs> rugby player. And um, he's not being uh, rude, but he definitely like he, he kind of is like, man, she's really being uh, kind of mean right away. Um, but they, they develop a bit of a, a thing. Um, I don't know. I, I was doing some other stuff while I was watching this, this time, because I'd seen it before, but my memory was there was more to their relationship than what I witnessed this time around, unless I just like zoned out for major moments, but, um, the, I mean, the- slow dancing and. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it never well, it's got definitely like... there. It's very clear <clears throat> she's into him and he's obviously into her. I think he I even think... like offers to marry her if something like oh, that. Oh, if he asked he, something like if he yes. asked her to stay, he knew that there was another question that would be expected as well. And he was ready for that, too. Um, I, I think that it I don't know when you move far away from home and you go back, sometimes you have rose colored glasses, you know? Yeah, like, definitely. And you're like, you know, like, even when they go to the beach and she's talking about when they go to, I don't remember Coney Island, wherever, I don't know, wherever they went to the beach when she was living in New York. And it's like so crowded and there are just so lot, lots of people. And, you know, she forgot that it's so peaceful on the beach there, um, you know, and just, you know, your roots run deep and stuff and her mother is alone now. And it just, I think it was very hard for her to go back. Um, I was afraid she wasn't going to go back. Uh, not saying that Jim Farrell is not a nice guy. And I don't think it should be held against him, but he was previously engaged to someone else and she wasn't very serious about it. And I could see other women like trying to take advantage of him because he obviously comes from a wealthy family. They have a pub and a huge house, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad that the story goes the way it goes. Well, it almost like when she gets there too, because uh, she gets she takes her sister's bookkeeping job, which is something she was learning to do in New York, um, and she just kind of like almost is like forced into just being Rose. Like, yeah, like, Rose has died now. You must you must take her place, and she clearly wants to. And she there's some sense of, I think of social obligation because of the mother, and um, you know, and, and everybody knows everybody. Everyone knows everyone, and it feels comfortable you know like coming back like you're it's rose colored glasses but it's like you know these this old pair of shoes that like it knows it forms to your foot but you also know like yeah but these aren't good anymore like just because they fit comfortably 
doesn't mean this is what I should be doing. And um, she's kind of, her hand is forced because her old boss, Miss Kelly, who she didn't like at the beginning of the movie, and Rose talks some major trash about at the beginning of the movie, um, basically says, I know that you're married. And she's like, yeah, you know what? I forgot about how this feels. Like this uh, being here, you, it's awful. Um, and I forget her exact words, but she tells her off in such a great way because she starts, it sounds like she's like apologizing or like begging for forgiveness or whatever. And then she like turns it on Miss Kelly. And uh, I really like how she kind of tells her off and Miss Kelly's kind of like shut up Ooh. for the first time. Um, yeah. And then she goes and tells her mom the truth. And the mom kind of is a little cruel, but understandably cruel. Like not, she is like, go, but I'm, I gotta, I gotta walk away. You know, like, I don't want to be sad. Um, well, I mean, she just lost her daughter. Yeah, I don't know. I understand. An, an, yeah. But it's still like, you know, I don't know. Like I, I'm very, I like my, independence so this i like the idea that you are ob- obligated to take care of uh of a a person who birthed you you know what i mean like like you didn't ask to be birthed so i don't feel like there should have to be a sense of obligation in that way i know that other people disagree with that you know uh, i'm whole, not saying one's yeah. right or wrong but I, uh, our culture is very much like, other yeah. others other cultures you you live with your parents or they live with you immediately mm-hmm. that's the expectation that is not the american way and i'm not saying our way is right but it's definitely the way my brain is wired like, and it's like M- no, no. masters Woo! yeah like i immediately was like i'm 18 i'm leaving like i'm, I'm I... out on my own <laughs> and i have not lived with anyone outside of my my uh significant other and or previous girlfriend but that was a long time ago um but you know i've lived on my own since i was 18 basically and that's in my head that's the way it is so like her being not not just having to like the pressure to like stay in Ireland, but like yeah, you like New York too bad. Come back to the place that you left a while ago, you know. Um, and again, that she does have Tony there, but um, I love how the film ends. I love her being on the ship, you oh. know, taking the girl under her wing, um, you know, showing her growth because it is such a coming of age moment where you see her not being the timid Ellis anymore. She is, uh, or I, how do you say her name? I think it was Ellis. It's, it's a weird name. Um, I'm like looking at it on Wikipedia and it's like E I L I S on so like my head's like Ellis. And it's like, no, I know. I don't think so. Um, but, uh, you know, she, she, when you see her like in line to get back through customs the, the second time, and she just looks so confident where like the first time she's a little nervous, but like, She's being confident because she was told to be confident, but like this time, it's not a facade. She is one hundred percent like mature now. She's made the choices. She's done all the things. Um, she's walking into America with the intent of being Tony's wife. And the the last scene when she's on the wall, it's it's the sadly it's the poster, which I think is wrong because it's like that's the final shot. Like, what are you doing? Making that the poster image. Oh, I thought she was on the ship. Uh, the poster that I'm looking at oh, on that's Letterboxd. that's the movie cover, I think. Uh, there, there's, there are different posters. Um, the one on Letterboxd, though, is her leaning on the wall. Uh, and it says Brooklyn. Uh, although it's not exactly the last shot because there's like a suitcase and the Brooklyn Bridge is like superimposed behind the wall, which I don't think is in that shot. I think that's just for the poster. Um, 
but uh you know he sees her and then he like every time he runs across the street i know this movie isn't trying to like break our hearts over and over again but yes because i'm like is he gonna get hit by a car and like that's gonna be the um but the the sad parts are uh her sister dying um her having to leave tony like for that first time you know um, and then tony like you know we're we have a lot of drama. Tony isn't suspicious of a specific thing because it's there's no way for him to know about Domino, but he is concerned that she hasn't written him back and that his maybe He's his n- writing is not as good. Yeah, that I love when he asks his little brother, the same one who said we don't like Irish people. Yep. Um, and if you tell anybody you're not going to any baseball games, and I'm going to beat you up. Um, and he helps him because they don't read or write as well as the little brother. I think the older brothers. Um. But yeah, she's not writing to him. She's not talking to him. And I was worried she wasn't going to go back to him. Yeah, I I uh, agree. And that's the thing, because I like Domino Gleason. And that's that's the other thing I really love about this movie, is both guys are great. Yeah. It's not like you're sitting here going, oh, he's clearly the, the a-hole. Like, don't go to him. You know, both guys are great. And it's, you can't hate Domino because he doesn't know about Tony. Right. Like she's doing wrong, but she's also not doing entirely wrong because she isn't cheating on Tony. She's she's skating a line. Don't get me wrong. She's not. She's she's. But I feel like she's skating a line out of like survival instincts almost like she's almost not being herself. It's like she's being this version of her character. Like in Ireland, I am this person. But the real me is in New York, and right now I have fallen into. I I almost feel like she's Rose in that last sequence when she's in Ireland. Like I think she is literally stepped into the role of Rose, and while she is Eilish, she is Rose, and people are treating her like she's Rose. Like the guy, like this is temporary. Oh yeah, yeah, no worries. Like he just like shushes her off. Like no, no, quiet, Rose. I'm an Eilish or whatever her freaking name is that I don't know how to say. Um, and I I just think I just. I love that part of this movie that the guys are both good. Neither of them, like there's no, like he hit her. So she shouldn't be with him. None of that melodrama. It is just genuine. I have, she has the toughest decision because they're both great guys. She's going to hurt one of them. No matter what, it would be much wronger, much more wrong to hurt Tony because they're married, right? Like if they had, if they had not gotten married and she's with Dom in, Ireland, you would almost be like, oh man, what do you do? Here, there's enough drama because of that marriage where you're like, you can't betray your husband, but he totally pressured you into doing that. <laughs> like, you know, it's like... kind of... Yeah, I do love that they get married in secret, though. You know, that... I don't know. I think that pressure is so important to not being mad at her. Because if they had gotten married, like, like you know, hey, let's go get married, and everybody's happy and then Rose died, and then she leaves, then you're, like, mad at her for, like, flirting with Domino. Because you're like, what are you doing? You were all about Tony, now you're all about Domino. But I know Domino is his actual name, I just can't remember the character name, and I keep calling the other dude Tony, because I don't know that dude's name. So, like, apologies, actors and characters, but I'm very familiar with Domino Gleason. I am less familiar with the guy who plays Tony. Um, But because... We watched her, and and while, like, Tony's not a jerk, and he doesn't, like, threaten to hurt her or anything, but he's very, like, like, we both have said, he's he pressures her. her. He pressures her in, 
So there's a little bit of like, hmm, maybe she's having a little bit of regret because she married. Yes, she loved him. Yes, she wanted to marry him, but she wanted to wait. And he kind of was like, you better not wait. And so she did. So you're like, I think you're a little more forgiving of her indiscretion. Again, even though she doesn't cheat, just the flirting, just the hanging out with Domino. Like, you're like, well, he did kind of pressure her into it. So, like, you're able to forgive her, I think, instead of have that, like, this, you know, anger at her that you could have had if she was, like, actually cheating. Um, so, real quick, before we wrap up, uh, I'm skimming on Letterboxd, and I, I love this guy's review. Um, the, the reviewer's name on Letterboxd is Silent Dawn. Um, but it's basically, like, him reacting as he was watching this. Um, and it's like, uh, hopefully this is good, he says out loud. Presses play. 20 minutes pass. I'm surprised at how sweet and endearing this is, which is totally how I feel about this movie. Uh, 40 minutes pass. Oh, this is just delightful. Agree so much. 30 more minutes pass. Um, <laughs> Eyeless, don't start hanging around Gleason. He worked on the Star Killer base and he knows how to use the ventral cannons. He can't be trusted. So nice General Hux reference. Yeah. Um, 10 minutes pass. <laughs> Must stop crying. End of film. And I'm just like, yes, dude. This is a great like kind of play by play. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I just think this film is super charming. It's very, very sweet. Um, Saoirse is so good in it. Also, I love the look of this movie. I think this movie looks amazing. Like the, the costumes, but even like the color palette is, I really like that. And that's not something that always grabs me, but there's this like old painting vibe to it. You know what I mean? Like the colors are like, uh, they're muted a little bit, but they're also still very saturated and vibrant. And I, I, I like that. It's like not something I often notice about a movie, um, which is a shortcoming. I wish I was more alert to like set design and costuming. That's not where I get drawn in, but this movie does that for me. Oh, I love I, costuming. I, 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 I don't, it's not to say I don't like it. I just don't feel, I feel like I just kind of take the whole movie in and rarely do I kind of acknowledge this part of it. Like it's, I know it's there and I know it makes the whole aesthetic, but I'm looking at it as the, finished product and not the individual pieces um that's also how the score works for me a lot of times like if if the score is great i may not notice it because it's just it's just part of the whole package um every once in a while though a score will stand out either good or bad where it's like i feel like it's intrusive because it's drawing too much attention to itself and it's taking me out of the movie or it just works um or like i don't know sometimes they, they really stand out but I always have a hard time like picking my, like for my, whenever we do like awards, when I was like, pick the score, I'm like, I don't, I don't remember which score stood out to me. I, I like the movies that I saw. I'm just going to pick the movies that I saw. Cause I clearly must've liked the score too. Um, and that's often how costuming is, but this movie both, I remember feeling that way when I watched it the first time. And then I was like, yeah, this movie just looks so cool. I really like the look of this. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? No. Well, folks, um, I'm I, I think this is I don't think it's quite a must see because it, it is like. It's not super impactful of that type of story. It's just really charming. It's really endearing. So I definitely think not quite golden is a comfort place for me. I feel like must see would be like it needs to have a little more or something more at stake or something more like a bigger punch. Memorable. I, yeah. I don't want to say that it's not memorable, but you know what I mean? Um. I, I exactly know that's what I'm trying to say too is that it's like it's good but like I, I even said it earlier it's one of those movies that it it deserved the best picture nomination 
but it's easy to kind of forget that it was one of the like eight or nine movies that were nominated that year. It's, and it, no offense to this movie, it's just like it's it's charming, it's brilliant. And I think anytime this were on, I would enjoy watching it. I'm not mad. I watched it. Nope. Probably would watch again. But it's just yeah. <clears throat> I don't think yeah. it would stay at the forefront of my mind. No, and again though. It's not a, it's not a negative. It's, I'm kind of glad to have a movie that doesn't like lean so hard onto like the drama or the those big moments. It's just everything's really simple and quiet and lovely. Um, there, the, even the drama that there is is very uh, subdued and understated, and it just works really, really well. Um, it's really good. Agreed, and I agree with not quite golden. Also, um, so folks, that is our review of Brooklyn. Uh, we watched that on Vudu. Um, I don't believe it is currently streaming on anything. Nope, you gotta buy it or rent it if you want to see it. Um, that I'm, I'm double checking, but yes, that holds true. Not, it is not currently on any streaming service, which is a shame. I think a lot of people would watch this if it were on something uh, readily available, just because again, it's super charming and it's super enjoyable, um, but not essential viewing. So unless you are really, really into this type of movie, I wouldn't say buy it, but definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, we'll be back next week with our review of Atonement, uh, another film that um, neither of us have seen, and Star Searcher, or it doesn't star Searcher, but she's in it. Um, I think it, I think she's playing younger Kira Knightley, um, or she's playing at least a 13-year-old version of a character, which I can only assume is Kira Knightley. I'm going to confirm that. Uh, no? Must be Kira Knightley's sister, because there's a, it, her, their last name is the same, but their first name is not. Um, uh, we get Kira Knightley, James McAvoy. The movie is from 2007. Oh, I did not realize who directed it. Joe Wright directed it, um, who directed uh, Cyrano that I really enjoyed from this year and uh, Darkest Hour from a couple years ago. Oh. I did not I did not realize he directed The Woman in the Window that is being made fun of with that show that you watched. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I've, I've not seen a lot of his movies. He clearly likes Saoirse because he's worked with her a couple times. Um, but yeah, I am. Uh, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to see this. Uh, Tillman's got a lot of positive reviews and buzz. Um, so we'll be watching that also on Vudu because just like uh, our last movie is not streaming on any paid service. You have to rent or buy. Uh, so do what you want, listeners. But in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews. I'm at Corey R Star. Two R's on the end. And if you like what we're doing here at Burke Reviews Movie Club, we ask that you take just a couple minutes and rate and review the podcast. It helps other listeners find us. Um, thank you for listening. And as always, keep watching movies. Hey, this is Matt from What I Watched Tonight. Come join me in the back row for movie discussion, retrospective episodes with guests, director-focused shows, end-of-year rankings, start-of-the-year predictions, and much, much more. There's more going on in the back row than you might think. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>